0: Our scripture reading this morning is found in John 11, 17 through 27, and 38 through 44. Let us stand for the reading
1: of God's Word. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a
0: cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
2: bring your children to Lake Avenue Church and they'll read scripture like that. (laughs) Do you know this is my eighth Easter sermon here at Lake Avenue Church, number eight. So it made me think about a number of years ago back at the university I used to serve. I, I had lunch with a group of our Ph.D. students, they, they were all from East Africa. I have a, a map of East Africa because I know we Americans are uh, geographically challenged, so you can see where they were. All of these uh, people were pastors in their home countries, and we were talking about preaching. And then we got off onto this theme about how challenging it is for a pastor to preach An Easter sermon once he's been with that same bunch of people for so many years. And we began sharing ideas. And one of the pastors, who was from Kenya, began telling me about uh, one of the cultural legends among the tribal people in Kenya. And the other pastor said, We have that in our tribal people as well. He said that there is a belief that is called the living dead. And what that is, is that they believe that when a person dies, the spirit of that person remains around the village for just a few days so so this pastor told me he said the most effective Easter sermon he had ever preached had started with him talking about the living dead And, and I told him wait a minute, uh, starting a sermon like that in the United States would, would immediately make us think about one of the scariest movies ever made. You know, the, the Night of the Living Dead. I was thinking I'd have the choir sort of dress up uh, like that in which, well, I have a picture I have a picture of it here for you. I, I even think that the Walking Dead series in AMC is, is, is based on this. And I said, it's, it's this movie in, in which you have these zombies walking around terrorizing a Pennsylvania farm community. I said, that would have the opposite effect of what I I want an Easter sermon to have, which is to give us hope and joy. And immediately, all of them said, no, 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 you've misunderstood. The point of this is not that the living dead go and terrorize their family and friends. The whole point is that in our our countries, especially out in the tribal communities, they experience death so young and, and so often that there is a longing question about whether there is any kind of life after death Because if this life is all there is, it just seems to be so meaningless for us. And of course, that question, which is deep in the hearts of our people in East Africa, really leads to the Easter message where we say Jesus actually rose from the dead. 500 people saw him at one time. The whole church exists because they saw him. He said, this is what I think you should do sometimes. And then they told me, now that they had been here in the United States for as long as they had... They said, we think this message is needed here too. They said, because we find that Americans don't deal with these matters of death and dying very well. Mostly, you just ignore them, they said, but it comes to all of us. And then they said, someday, Pastor Waybright, When you are struggling with how to drive home the message of Easter to people you preached at for a long time, maybe you'll remember our lunchtime talk about the living dead and use it in your church. So here we are, Easter 2015. My East African brothers even pointed out the text that they said you should preach from. And these are words found in John chapter 11, verses 25 to 26. You heard Grace read them just a few moments ago. They were spoken in the context of the death, the physical death of one of Jesus' closest friends, a man named Lazarus. And listen to what Jesus said again. He declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, shall never die. Now, I want you to look at those words from Jesus again. Notice them carefully. Do you see he's talking about life in two different ways? Do you see that? And that he's talking about death in two different ways. He, he talks about a person being physically alive who needs to believe because he is somehow spiritually dead. Whoever believes in me, though he be dead, shall then live. And and you see, Jesus also suggests that a person can experience physical death, but not really be dead. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Now, as I've thought about it, these two very simple verses contain the two major themes of Easter that I hope every Christian in every part of the world who is going to church on Easter Sunday morning will think about. Number one is death the end? Is death the end? And for those of us who have experienced a death among our loved ones or friends in the past year, we ask that question at least as much as the East Africans, right? And then number two, am I really living now? Uh, We've heard that in the baptisms. For those of us who are physically alive, so many times we just know that there is something missing in life. And what Jesus wants you to know in this verse is what that something is that we feel is missing. Now, now, it probably isn't going to be a surprise to any of you who have heard me preach before that I think that the answer to both of those questions rests in the person and work of Jesus, right? Does that surprise you? And so that's what I want to talk about today. Jesus, the one who is the resurrection and the life. So what I'm going to think about is, is just these two points. I'm going to think about what I'm calling the dead living, the dead living that I'm going to call hope for those of us who mourn. And, and the second is the living dead. And that's what I'm going to call hope for those of you who are dead. Ready. The dead living. There, Easter is a day of hope for people who mourn. Or perhaps I should have simply called it death is not the end. Now I don't know all of you have come this Easter morning but I'm telling you there are many of us here at Lake Avenue Church who in the past year have experienced the death of a loved one or a friend. I know that Chris and I have. How many of you know my father died not so long ago and I realized when that took place that even though I talk with you so often about matters of death and dying and how the resurrected Jesus changes all of that, I, I realized in a new way how hard it is when you lose a loved one. I mean, the sorrow of loss is something that is so so deep, and and I feel it very personally. So here I want to say this clearly. Listen to me so you won't miss this. Sorrow in this world, sorrow in the face of death is real. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. A people of faith and, and people who have no faith whatsoever feel deep sorrow when there's somebody that we love who is now lost because of death. But Jesus tells us that he came into this world specifically to deal with those sorrows that come because of the wrongs and the evils like death in this world, that he has come and has the power to take the sorrow of death away. We feel the sorrow, but it is always a sorrow with a hope. So I just want to tell you, sorrow is real. It is real indeed. But the hope in Christ is real too. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He is greater than death. So that brings us to this story of this friend of Jesus named Lazarus. I don't know if you have noticed the strange way that this story begins. Uh, Lazarus, who was a very close friend of Jesus, uh, is, is terminally ill. Mary and Martha, his sisters, who also were very close friends of Jesus, send word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. But, but what does Jesus do? Instead of going there, he stays where he is for two full days. I mean, you read that, and if you know about the compassion of Jesus, you've just got to ask, why? I mean, why does he delay? And there can only be one reason. Jesus knew more than they knew. Jesus had some purpose in mind in this matter that went far beyond simply seeing Lazarus recover from a physical illness. I mean, if Jesus had only been interested in seeing Lazarus get healed from a physical illness, he would have gone there immediately. Or, if you know the stories of Jesus, he could have healed him from afar. But then again, when we stop to think about it, healing from a physical illness is always temporary, isn't it? Now, listen to me. God does heal. We have experienced God's healing here at Lake Avenue Church. But here Jesus is saying that God, that he has come into this world to do something much bigger and longer lasting than simply a physical healing. And it really is found in his words in verse 4. The way my translation translates it is, this sickness of Lazarus will not end in death. I don't think that's a very good translation. I don't know if we have some English teachers here, some Romarians here. I I want you to know I think this is a purpose clause, not a result clause. What are you talking about, pastor? I said it so that you would have to listen to me. I don't think that Jesus is saying that the result of this this sickness is, is supposed to be a death. No, he's saying the purpose of this sickness is not dying. The purpose, he says, is for the sake of God's glory. I have waited because I want you to see something about God that you may otherwise never have really believed. Because you've got to see, Lazarus did die physically. I mean, in that sense, his sickness did end in physical death. But the point that Jesus is driving home is that, I'll tell you, when you trust in Jesus, even the end that we call death that seems so final is not really the end at all. I mean, this is the message of Easter, isn't it? That there is someone greater than death itself. And so for those of us who actually know Jesus and and follow Jesus, when death comes, it's not a matter of shame or, or, or fear. No, we know that death is a transition to something better. That God has a purpose even when he calls someone home. That it transitions people into the unrestricted presence of God. Now Kate Now, do you know I love living in Southern California? Oh, I lived in Chicago a long time. I love Chicago. I love Southern California. It is so beautiful here. Sometimes I can't imagine a better place in the world to live. I don't know if any of you agree with me. I'd be good for the Chamber of Commerce, don't you think? So But what Jesus is declaring is, as wonderful as it is to live in this part of God's creation, there is a place and a thing better, far better than that, and that is in his very, very special presence. And that that brings me to what happened to Lazarus. See, on the surface, this story of Lazarus recorded in John chapter 11 and his death and coming out of the tomb... It sounds a lot like what's going to happen in just a few days when Jesus dies, goes into a tomb, and then comes out. I mean, it seems so similar in many ways. There is a tomb there. There's a stone over the tomb that has to be rolled away. There are people witnessing it who are very, very confused. But there is a one big difference between what happens that Lazarus coming back to life and Jesus and John who wrote this, is very careful to record it. I wonder if you've ever noticed it. In John chapter 11, verse 44, Lazarus came out of the tomb with his grave clothes on. But if you look at Jesus in chapter 20, verse 5, when he rose from the dead, he left the grave clothes right there in the tomb. See, it wasn't so much that Jesus was coming back from the dead as he was passing through death onto a whole different quality of life with a different kind of a body that didn't know the hindrances and the difficulties that we have in this body. But that, that wasn't Lazarus' experience here. He, he didn't pass through the tunnel of death into a new life in the unrestricted presence of God. He was drawn back through the same entrance that he went into it. Do you see it? And, and he had to have those same old grave clothes on. Lazarus had been raised, but only to come back into this world and to die again. I I imagine he did. I don't think he's still walking around. Now, I've tried to imagine being there when this happened, that Lazarus comes out. Don't you imagine that Mary and Martha and all of his family members were just rejoicing and saying, Lazarus, welcome back into the land of the living. But I wonder if Lazarus felt that way. (laughs) I wonder if he felt like when he came back here, it was was more like he was entering the land of the dying than the land of the living. So here, for those of you who have experienced death to a loved one or any of you who may have heard a bad diagnosis of a terminal illness, listen. The Bible is clear that life on the other side of the tomb is not less than what we experience here but more than and better than in every way. And that is the first message you've got to hear at Easter time. Death comes to our world, but death is not the end. Our Lord Jesus, whom we celebrate today, is the Lord over death. So, so that for the one who follows him, uh, death leads not to something worse, but to something better. And Paul, do you remember Paul? He put it, better by far. I tell you, that gives me hope. That gives me hope. I'm going to see my dad again. I'm going to see my daughter again. And that hope is available to all of us. But now, listen, that hope is experienced only by those who are alive in the second way I want to talk to you about. That brings me to my second message that I'm calling the living dead. that, That I've called hope for those who are dead. Or or perhaps the better way to put it is, life really begins with Jesus. So I want you to look again at verse 25, uh, what Jesus says. There's something so striking about it, I haven't tried to point it out to you yet. Listen now. Whoever believes in me, even though he be dead. That's really what Jesus says. For those who believe in me, even though he be dead yet shall he live. Jesus is saying that a person can believe when he's dead. Of course, a physically dead person can't believe. But again, it's clear here, Jesus isn't just talking about physical death. I think he's talking about something that all of you know intuitively, that you can be physically alive and at the same time dead to something. Something is missing, spiritually dead. And according to Jesus, his words here, there are many people in this world who are alive to this world but dead to God, having no relationship to him whatsoever. Um, Maybe that's the way you are now. Or look around you. Maybe, Maybe you're sitting next to a spiritual zombie right now. All right. Jesus is speaking here, if I can make it clear to you, about one of the things that has drawn people to him all over the world throughout all the centuries. He's saying that a a human being can be alive physically but have a deep sense that something is missing. In fact, he says it may be that the most important part of all of life may be missing in your life. He's clearly saying that without you coming alive to the reality of God himself, knowing him personally, that nothing else in this world will satisfy you completely. It's the consistent message of the Bible that you and I, it's this beautiful thing, are made in the image of God. Ezekiel would say, you and I have been built with eternity in our hearts. And Jesus here is indicating that there is a part of you and me that God alone can fill. And and when he's not there, when you don't know him, something's going to be missing. You can f- try to fill it in with anything else, but nothing else can be God in your life. So I've been asking all week, what is this like? What is this like? Because I find that the great books and novels of history have, have addressed this, the great films, the great plays have. So I've thought, well, what will drive this home? And the first thing that I thought of is this, I love Pixar movie. It's one of my favorite of all the Pixar movies, The Incredibles, from back a number of years ago. Um, it opens with Bob and Ellen Parr who are really Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl. And then they have these three children. They're all miserable with their lives. I found a picture just to help you experience that misery. See, they're alive, but they're not really alive. They know something that they're made for is missing. And and finally, at last, when they find that thing they are made for, boom, they become the Incredibles. Do we have a picture of that? I I hope so. Jesus says that this longing for God... And the human heart is like that, but it's much, much bigger. Um, Sega Warku, who's the directing, director of counseling ministries here, he said, I can help you to understand this in one realm of our lives. He said this is something that he sees taking place in marriages all the time. I put it here so you can see it. I find his words to be profound. Sega said, couples are often in a marriage that is dead. There's no life in the relationship. They don't enjoy each other, though they're not necessarily mad at each other. Their relationship is not hot, cold, or warm. It's just dead. Something is missing and they don't quite know what it is. Jesus is suggesting that it's like that, but it's much bigger than that. Okay, what is it like, what is it like? The best illustration, and I've quoted him two or three times in my seven years, or seven and a half years here, comes from New England quarterback, Tom Brady. Uh, Sports fans around us. You know, this man had everything, fame, money, married to a supermodel, multiple Super Bowl rings, and yet he saw this, it was so honest. This is what he said in one of the interviews after his third Super Bowl. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think that there's something greater out there for me. I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what is. I reached my goal. This is it, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. See, that longing, for something that even the greatest things, all the things we, many people try to live for, their money, their fame, their pleasure, whatever it is, you long for something so much bigger. To all of that, Jesus declares, not only am I the resurrection, I am the life. When you believe in me, you begin to find life. When I become the Lord of your life, the rest of all those other things you are missing begin to find their solution. To get at this thing, just notice what leads up to these words. Uh, Jesus said to Martha, who I think is like so many of us, Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha essentially says, I think so many religious people would say, well, I know I know Jesus. I I believe there has to be more to life than just this realm. Uh, He will rise again in the last day. But Jesus comes right back and he says, I'm not only talking about the future Martha, I'm talking about right now. You talk about the future, but Martha, I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I am the Lord of life. Now, Martha, if you don't know me, you haven't really come to life yet. When I come into your life, I feel that inner being for which you are made. And all the other parts, they don't have to be God in your life. They, they can be things that bring joy to your life but if you don't have them, you still have a life because you have me. That's what Jesus is declaring here. Am I not right when I say that, I mean, all around us, people are trying to fill this thing that is missing uh, with their home, with their bank accounts, with their career, with their pursuits academically, whatever it is, so many things. These are good things, but if you make them gods, they are awful. (laughs) When God is at the center of your life, those things can bring you joy. And when he is at the center of your life, nothing can separate you from him. And even if those things are gone, you have a life. And when Jesus says this, he's not saying that when you leave him out of your life, you're not, you, you don't have anything to do. Sometimes you have too much to do, don't you? <laughs> schedule's being full, trying to figure out how to cram through, through, do all these things and to get success in this world. But then eventually you say, why am I doing all of this stuff what is this like? The, the, I'll you, the closest illustration on a human plane <laughs> that I could think of. It's, it's like a young man who falls in love for the very first time. It, it is amazing. And he, say, oh, he says something. I'm going to look over the young adults. He says something like this. Um, I never was really living until I met you. Have you ever experienced that? I'm so sad if you haven't. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is, believe it or not, bigger than that, better than that, infinitely better than that. That, that if having a relationship, a love a re- relationship with a person can fill in your life, then having God come into the center of your life, especially Jesus, the one who gave his life out of love for you, changes everything. Everything. When you know me, you find you come to life. I am the resurrection and I am the life and this is the message of Easter. Jesus is the one who comes and brings hope even in the face of the worst things in this world, even death itself. I am the resurrection, he says. Jesus brings life to people who just know something is missing and haven't found that lasting purpose in life. I am the life, he declares. So at the uh, gravesite of Lazarus that day? Did you hear what happened? Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That's how Jesus does it. (laughs) It's very personal. He, he, He knows us by name. Lazarus he calls. He knows your name too. He loves you with an everlasting love. It's so intensely personal. I remember when I first came to faith in Jesus, I was there in a church just like this with all sorts of people sitting all around me. And it was as if the whole message was just, just for me uh, Greg, it's time for you to come to life. And, and I did, I gave my life to Jesus. It is very, very personal. And and if today you've come with all the people sitting around you here in the worship center, maybe family and friends, and it feels like parts of this message are just for you. That's the way he works. He knows you and he loves you with an everlasting love, and he will do you no harm. Amen. He will give you life. What else? You even notice the power in this thing. Come out. I mean, to a guy who's been dead for four days. (laughs) And he does it. He does it. He has the power to do anything in this world. So let me tell you, you too can come out of that old life where there are things that you said, I've tried to stop doing that. I've tried to renew this relationship. He steps in and suddenly there's a whole new moral capability. It doesn't happen in a moment. But he begins a work that when he's done, we are going to be complete in Christ. There is hope for you. Those old grave clothes of old habits that just keep holding on to you, he can break them loose and set you free. But when Jesus calls you, you must believe. So today I ask is he calling you? Is he calling you? Isn't it time, Easter 2015, that you move out of that realm of the dead living and move into the one of the living living? You can. Same way Martha did. Let me show you what happened. Verse 25 to 27. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he be dead yet shall he live, and everyone, who's, who's in the everyone? Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. And I tell you, at that moment, she began to live, really live. And so will you. For he is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. It's all to his glory. It's all to his glory. Father, we have looked at this message that is at the foundation of this church and of all churches and of our lives. Father, I pray that you might speak personally to each one of us here. For some of us call us to a renewed or deeper faith. For the rest of us, Father, first-time faith. Father, make people alive to you through faith in Jesus. What you did in the life of Martha, do here today, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.